I'm Richard Dodd, and you're listening to the Ecology Academy podcast. This is a show where we get to talk and learn about all things ecological, including interviews with top ecologists, both employers and employees, those working with ecologists, and also aspiring and inspiring career-seeking individuals setting out to make a difference. The show aims to provide you with insights, advice, and inspiration to help you succeed and excel as an effective ecologist and to make a real difference to our natural environment. Welcome to the new season of the Ecology Academy podcast. I'm Richard Dodd, your host, and this month, October, we start with a brand new show. So uh, what the difference is? Well, we're going to be introducing you to some great ecologists, people who are actually actively involved in their expertise in their field of um, ecology. And we start this month with Paul Lossie. Now, Paul... In this podcast, what you'll hear is an introduction to what the UK Habitat Classification System is, um, why we're using it, key features of the UK Habitat Classification System, so primary habitat, secondary codes, the hierarchical part of the UK Hab um, um, itself. Looking about the resources, where you can download those information from, and uh, I'll put up on show notes um, the links to there within this podcast itself. We also look, I mean, Paul's very honest in this interview. We know he also looks at the sort of a, the disadvantages of using this new UK classification system for habitats. Um, so as well as the advantages, you know, we're entering a digital world. And so the previous classification system, the phase one habitat survey, for instance, was very much set many years ago. I mean, most people remember using those. I certainly do using those coloured barrel pencils to actually colour things in on our maps and we, it wasn't intended for the purpose we use it for now, which is as ecological consultants for planning and development. And some of the priority habitats, for instance, aren't within there. You know, we lose a bit of resolution there. So the UK habitat classification system is being designed, and Paul isn't part of the design team. You know, he doesn't work for UK Hab. He's not a director there. Um, so you know, this is more of a practitioner's view. So Paul gives his honest opinion about. Um, advantages of using this system and also some of the disadvantages and as because it's a new system and hopefully you know it will improve and we'll get there to actually a fantastic system but with any new system there's always going to be some teething problems and look at also right towards the end so the um, take-home messages from this will be what you can do to Take, you know, take away from, from the end of this podcast what you can do to actually go ahead and learn, put in its application, the UK Habitat Classification System. What sort of, what, what do you need to do straight away after listening to this podcast? So stay tuned to that itself. And what you'll find from this new season is that these podcasts are a lot shorter and giving you action. Uh, so they are, let's say, uh, shorter than we had done previously and more focused upon making sure that you can get something out from this podcast straight away you can actually go out and deliver something so you can actually work upon your your skills your knowledge and understanding so without further ado let's hear from Paul Lossie Hi there and welcome to the Ecology Academy podcast now today I have the honour with uh, introducing you to Paul Lossie so good morning Paul Hi there hi hi Richard yeah how are you doing I'm fine, thank you very much. Excellent, excellent. Now, we're going to be talking about the UK Habitats Classification System. But before we do that, um, perhaps we need to introduce yourself then, Paul. So, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, the company you work for. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, I 
I'm a self-employed ecological consultant. I've been self-employed for about the last 10, 11 years now. Um, previous to that, I worked for Natural England and, uh, of course, English Nature before that. Um, so that, that's, that's me, really. I am, my main interests are in habitat survey and mapping, and I get involved in GIS mapping quite a lot as well. So that's, that's kind of my main interest, really, and, and, and botany as well, of course. You host our QGIS course as well, don't you? Our introduction to uh, QGIS for consultant ecologists. Yes, that, uh, yes that's right. That's uh, uh, a recent addition, I think, to your, um, uh, to your offering. Indeed. But we're not here to talk about that today. Um, we're here to talk about um, the UK habitat classification system. So, I mean, um, I, could, I can play the sort of, and, and rightly so, I can play the sort of um, innocent party here. So as someone who knows a little bit about um, the UK habitat classification system. So perhaps you could tell us a little bit about what it is and why it was set up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, first of all, I should say that I've got no connection with UK Hab Limited. Um, and uh, what I'm going to be saying is going to be my my own views, and my own own opinion. Um, I did have some uh, a sort of minor involvement in the development uh, of UK Hab in its very early stages, um, as I was on a sort of a, a panel just to give a little bit of feedback right at the beginning, but I don't currently have any involvement with the system at all. Okay. Um, so the, the, these are really just my views and opinions about the system, having used it a little bit now. Um, so, so as, a, as an active practitioner, basically? Then. Yes, that's, I, yeah, I, I guess that's right. Um, I've, uh, yeah, I, I've sort of started putting it into practice over the last uh, two or three years now. So I've got some views about how well it works and maybe some of the the um, pitfalls as well, which which we can talk about. But I think it's uh, I think your first question was uh, why it was introduced. Um, and to to look at that, I think we need to look at a bit of history um, because the habitats uh, classification system that most people have, uh, have been using in the past or, or, or are still using um, is the, the phase one um, habitat survey, mm -hmm. uh, which is very familiar to most ecologists these days. So we have to look at um, a, a little bit about a little bit at phase one and, and think about why that was designed and, and why it was originally came into being. Um, and actually, this was um, phase one was actually designed as a a county-wide survey. So it was for surveys that were going to be carried out um, at, at, you know, um, very large scales. Um, and for example, in the, if you have a look at the phase one survey handbook, they talk about using uh, maps at a scale of one to 25,000 or one to 10,000. That's what they recommend. Um, and what what we've done is we've taken a survey that was designed for these very big countywide surveys and we're we're adapting it we've adapted it to use for um a completely different purpose so we're using phase one for um planning applications and development sites at uh, a completely different scale a much larger scale if you like um so We've had to adapt it. And, and also, if you have a look at the phase one survey handbook, most of the methods are, are, are completely out of date. 
Um, so for, I was having a look at it this morning. It's quite interest, interesting that they, they refer to using a specific type of colored pencil yes. uh, to color in the maps, which uh, <laughs> uh, some of us may remember. Um, so it really is out of date. It was designed for a different purpose and it's out of date. And actually, if you look at the first 50, sorry, the first 33 pages of the handbook, most of that's irrelevant now and uh, and completely out of date. Yeah. And also, phase one was designed well before the days of, before the era, era of GIS. So, um, you know, we've really moved on for it now from it. But people are still using phase one. Um, clients are still asking for phase one surveys to be to, to be carried out. So it's it it's still in use, but it's out of date. It's very much in the it's in the parlance, isn't it? That's um you know we, we do get requested for undertaking you know phase one habitat surveys. You know that's what they some of our clients request. And, and but it's even something from um, even some of the local authorities as well, local planning authorities. Uh, maybe they're ecologists there, or maybe not an ecologist, but certainly. Um, an advisor, environmental advisor there. Um, so it's it's yeah. So it's the, so we've got uh, historical context because I, re- I also remember using Phase One, and I also remember borrowing those barrel pencils um, yes. when I was with the Countryside Council for Wales, now Natural Resources Wales, going out and doing these surveys. So it's historical. Um, it was before sort of GIS came on board. So now it's 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 sort of pro, you know we, we've got we, um, a new systems coming to take its well, place. Is that yes, right I or think, not? I, I think it's reached, starting to reach the end of its lifespan as well. It's also worth mentioning that there are some particular problems with phase one, not just about it being out of date, um, which which does cause us problems. So, for example, the habitat definitions in the handbook um, are very brief and can be quite ambiguous as well. Um, for example, there aren't enough indicator species, and they don't really describe the full range of variation for different habitats. Um, one of the other key problems is that phase one doesn't separate out priority habitats, um, which which is really important. So mm. a good example of that would be lowland dryas of grassland, which is a priority ha- a BAP habitat in in old language, but a habitat of principal importance. Yeah, for for for, uh, for England, um, that's actually in phase one. That's actually lumped together with upland acid grassland as well, which isn't a priority habitat. Um, another good example probably would be reed bed, another priority habitat, particularly for it's important for for range of breeding birds. Um, but that's lumped in together with swamp, so a much broader definition. So when you're classifying habitats using phase one, you're not drawing out those uh, habitats which are particularly important. And I think that's a key a key problem with, uh, with phase one. <clears throat> and quite interestingly, there was a 1999 study carried out which looked at the reliability of phase one habitat mapping um, and it c- compared the classification and mapping of the same area carried out by six different experienced ecologists. Um, and the agreement between the d- maps from the six different ecologists was only 25%. Right. Um, so these were experienced people. Yeah. And it was purely down to their interpretation of the habitat definitions in the handbook. Um, and, and that's partly just because they've, in some cases, they're quite vague and it doesn't, doesn't give you enough information. So it, it all becomes very subjective. 
Um, and I think that's a, a, another problem with phase one. So it's, it's out of date. It was designed for a different purpose. The habitat definitions are a bit vague and a bit weak. Um, and every, so everybody's adapted phase one in their own ways. And there's a lack of consistency between um, surveyors. And, and that, that causes a whole range of problems. So as you said, we've <clears throat> a new system really is needed at this stage. Uh, and this UK habitat classification system has been developed. And, and I think it does deal with quite a few of those issues. Um, it's a fairly new system, so there are still going to be um, teething problems. And it's, it, it's I, I think it's fair to say it's still in development and a new, uh, a new version will be coming out shortly. But it does offer some key advantages over, over phase one, um, particularly in that the habitat definitions provided are, are a lot more comprehensive and I think um, reduces that element of subjectivity. Okay, so they're, they're more um, aligned. Yeah. Sorry, Paul. So they're more aligned to sort of the, you know, these priority habitats. Then is, is that uh, one of the key features of the, the this uh, the UK habitat classification system? Yeah, so absolutely. So you can pick out the the key habitats. So um, uh, lowland dry as the grassland, uh, using that example that we had before, um, is identifiable within the within the UK, UK UK habitat classification system or or UK hab as people tend to call yeah. it um, so that's separated out from upland acid grassland and the same with reed bed that other example we gave and there are quite a few other examples of that so that's a that's a key thing <clears throat> one of the key features uh, uh, which um, is, a, is a really good selling point for UK hab is that it's hierarchical mm -hmm. so you can actually classify um, classify habitats at different levels depending on your needs or uh, depending on your skill set as well. Um, so you've got five different levels within this hierarchy and you can actually survey to whichever level is appropriate. So, so I think, it, it, sorry, go ahead. No, so, so yeah, absolutely. So I think this is part of, you know, so you know, we're talking about a classification system of habitats and therefore a key part of that is clearly the, your, your botanical skills, you know. So, um, you know, before it was um, a case of, um, you know, we, we, there's probably little training or little competency level, should we say, for botanical surveys. So we're, do, do you think this will actually aid or help people improve their botanical skills then? Um, yes, I think so. And I, I think tied into that is that there's a greater need for habitat survey now that... Um, uh, biodiversity net gain calculations are on the horizon where there'll be a requirement in for, for most certainly larger developments there'll be a mm. requirement for um, that you know um, actually calculating biodiversity net gain and a prerequisite for that is obviously carrying out um, a survey and the UK habitat classification system actually underpins uh, the biodiver biodiversity net gain um, it is possible to carry out a phase one survey and convert it to uh, a UK hub, but it, it makes sense to actually start start there. Start and obviously, to, to carry out those sorts of surveys, you do need a certain level of botanical knowledge and, and, and field skills, absolutely. So I think that's, uh, mm -hmm. that's something that um, consultants are certainly going to have to think about is upskilling their staff in that in that area absolutely yeah. um, where, whereas probably the emphasis has been on protected species um and that that's hopefully going to remain 
um, but I think the the level of um, you know habitat uh, you know habitat survey and botanical skills is going to have to be um, improved yeah. generally across the board as well. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I deal with a, a couple of universities, and um, you know, previously they you know they've, they've uh, they include botanical work, but most students and and this is I did a zoology degree, and I can you know, contest to this that. Uh, yeah, you know, we, we sort of shied away literally from any for the botanical side because it was, you know, it is it is difficult, it's challenging. But um, I think the, the 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 support, the training out there has certainly improved, if not become you know a lot more um, accessible than it was you know, particularly back in you know twenty thirty years ago. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to note that I don't think um, any universities currently offer a botany degree anymore. Um, which mm. is, you know, is, is quite telling, really. Um, I, I believe there's one botanical MSc offered by Reading University. Um, I can't think of any others. Perhaps, perhaps there are, but yeah, um, yeah zoology seems to be a, a lot more popular among uh, uh, undergraduates. It, it is. Uh, hopefully, yes. that will change a little bit. Yeah. So, so sorry, I cut you off there, but you you mentioned about the different sort of hierarchical elements of the <clears> UK have. Yeah. So th there are these five different levels, starting from a sort of very broad level, which is uh, um, uh, sort of level one is the the biome, which is a sort of the, I suppose the major ecosystems, uh, terrestrial, freshwater, or marine. So you're not you're probably not you know that that's probably too broad for most people but that sets the framework for it um level two um starts narrowing it down a bit so it will it will be the major eco uh, so the major major ecosystem types uh, at a very high level so you know just grassland woodland heathland scrub wetland cropland urban um uh rivers and lakes you know and that's sort of very broad broad level um and then you move down to level three and this is where we start getting to the level where people might uh might actually survey to level three um so uh, these would be uh, level three i suppose is equivalent to the broad habitats that people are fam familiar with um you know where where um you'll split for example, grassland down into acid grassland, mm. calcareous grassland, and neutral grassland. So it might be possible um, if you just wanted a broad overview of a site, just to survey down to that level, uh, level three, and all you would have to do is say, "Well, this is a neutral grassland," and um, and that's it, which yeah. is which is interesting. Um, and then level four is taking things a little bit further, and that's where we start identifying our priority habitats. So um, if you take uh, the example that we used earlier, acid grassland, you'd break it down into lowland dry acid grassland, which is your, your, your priority habitat, um, upland acid grassland, bracken, uh, which is usually associated with acid grassland. Um, and they've also got another category, other lowland acid grassland, which is sort of mops up anything else that doesn't fall into those, those categories. Um, so that's... Um, that's level four. And um, I guess most people are going to survey down to at least level three or level four. Yeah. Um, level five, um, the most detailed level of the survey, <clears throat> uh, 
um, is really taking things into, you know, into more detail. And this is where you would identify Annex 1 habitats, for example. So Annex 1 habitats are those habitats that are of um, European importance. So um, an example would be, um, you know, dry acid grasslands, uh, or sorry, dry dry glass grasslands on chalk or limestone, which are important orchid sites. So that's a, a, just an example of an Annex 1 habitat. And that would be um, a subdivision of lowland calcareous grassland. But here, what you're doing is you're highlighting um, this important European habitat as well. So would that be comparable uh, to, I mean, we've heard, you know, talk about, um, you know, phase one, but um, um, one thing we haven't mentioned so far is the national vegetation classification, um, so NVC. Um, yeah. You know, is, so, is, is level five equivalent to that or level uh, four? No, NVC is no. probably more detailed, mm -hmm. I would suggest. Um, and NVC takes a different approach altogether, really. So um, it's all about vegetation. NVC is all about vegetation communities. Um, and obviously, NVC is used um, for development sites, for example, um, particularly where an important habitat's been um, identified. But again, NVC doesn't necessarily identify priority habitats or um, Annex One habitats. Mm -hmm. you, you, you have to know what you're talking about. And NVC does require that much of a higher level of botanical, of a higher botanical skill set. So it, it, it's more detailed than level five of, um, of the UK have. So it's, right. it's a different beast, really. Yeah. Great. So you. what, what, um, what the, the UK have, what the UK habitat classification is doing is it's um, giving you the option to, to describe habitats and classify habitats and map habitats at a greater level of detail than you would be able to in phase one if you wish to do so. Um, and I think that's a very useful thing to be able to uh, to be able to do for people. Okay. And in terms of um, so that's the hierarchical, hierarchical system. And in terms of um, how how does this manifest itself? So what sort of um, I suppose resources are there out there which can be used by um, you know um, us as ecologists? Yeah, so um, UK Hab actually produce a whole variety of resources which are really useful, and you can download um, you can download these um, resources from their website free of charge. You just have to register. Um, so the sorts of things that they uh, sorts of things that they have available are um, a really quite detailed um, handbook of uh, habitat definitions. So a lot more detail than um, the, the phase one habitat survey handbook, for example. So they'll give you a comprehensive list of species and, um, you know, really help you to uh, pin down your classification um, with, yeah, a, a, I think a greater deal of certainty than you would have been able to do so before. Um, they also provide a field key. Mm -hmm. So if you're out in the field, um, you can actually work out the habitat <clears throat> habitat you've got in front of you just by working through a key which i think is extremely useful that's also available as, as an app uh, as well um, they offer a useful spreadsheet which breaks down um, the different classifications and um uh, what else uh, yeah uh, there's a really useful user manual as well because there are all sorts of um 
issues that people need to consider when they're carrying out uh, a survey like for a, a good one be how do you deal with transitions between habitats how do you deal with mosaics mm -hmm. yeah. um, those sorts of things were dealt with uh, in phase when people were using a phase uh, were carrying out a phase one survey um, people just come up with their own solutions which of course leads to inconsistency between surveyors so um, different people would deal with mosaics in, 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 in different ways. Um, whereas with UK HAB, they actually provide some guidance on how you deal with some of those difficult situations in the field. So that's that's very useful. Yeah, the one I always um, struggled with was um, when it came to you know, ephemeral short perennial um, sort of habitats. Yes. That's, yes. That, that's the one thinking, oh, right, what does actually actually mean? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I think that's still a difficult one as well. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. The, the one thing that we haven't mentioned, uh, though, yet is that um, in addition to those, uh, the, that hierarchy that we've been talking about, those uh, what they call the, the, the primary habitats, they also offer an option to add in uh, secondary codes. So there are a whole list of um, a whole list of secondary codes in different categories, which allow you to add information. So if you're out in the field and you're you're mapping and you you um, map an area of um, of grassland, for example, um, and you want to say a little bit more about that grassland, you can add in codes. So for example, if there are scattered trees mm -hmm. within your grassland, you would map the habitat as um, grassland and use one of the secondary codes to indicate that there are scattered trees present. Um, uh, there are secondary codes that allow you to add information about the history of the site, how wet it is, um, how it's been managed, um, all those sorts of things. So that's that's really useful, and you can add these secondary codes to your map. So just in one map, mm -hmm. you can get an awful lot more information. Um, you could take a, you know, you can uh, classify habitat habitat down to level five, uh, which is quite detailed in the hierarchy, and also add um, a range of secondary codes just to add add inf information in about that. Uh, that particular area of habitat. Um, and the other thing that you can do is as soon as the primary habitat changes or the, the, um, the secondary codes change, you can draw a new polygon. So differentiate different areas, which may be the same primary habitat, but which may have different characteristics. So one area might have scattered trees, the other may, may not. And you can actually show that on a map uh, much more easily than you would have, would have been able to before. So uh, the whole system allows you to add a great deal more detail than you would have been able to previously using phase one, for example. Right. And this is going to be in terms of its application then. So it's more fit for purpose in terms of, well, it's not just for planning and development, or is it just for planning and development reasons? You know, it's, it's, it adds to also the, obviously, the classification of different habitats, but also linked in with that, these biodiversity net gain, maybe baseline surveys that we need to be undertaking or will be undertaking a lot more in the next few years, really. Yeah, I think so. I think it can really be used for a whole variety mm -hmm. of uh, of purposes at different scales as well. Um, and interestingly, for, uh, going back to secondary codes, there are a whole lot of secondary codes for green infrastructure. So if people are doing urban surveys, um, they can add in a lot more information about um, uh, you know, 
features in in the urban mm. environment as well which is which is really good so um yeah and as we said before it's actually underpins biodiversity net gain calculations so uh, all those calculations are based on uk habitat classification um habitats yeah so um if you carry out a phase one habitat survey you would need to convert the phase one habitat into a uk habitat um, classification first so you might as well start off using um you know uk have and and get yeah. your head around that i guess yeah i think it, i think it's you're absolutely right i think we either you know if we are already using you know sorry if we're if we're using phase one at the moment i think we need to do you know complete that transition uh, really uh, yeah. to, to, to enable us to yeah provide you know better outputs really um for by the way again or whatever sort of services we're actually providing yeah. Now you uh, you mentioned that this is like a, it's, a, it's a new system, so you know a few years old. We're into it now. So you say it's not perfect. Um, so what sort of um, you know what are sort of the advantages or you know challenges or disadvantages of using UK Hab over any other classification system at the moment? Yeah, um, just having used uh, uh, used it in the field a few times, um, there are some um, practical challenges. I think. Um, one of them is just sim- because there are so many habitats now it's it's that much more complex particularly if you're um you're surveying down to level five in the hierarchy and you've got um several hundred um i think there are about uh, 1200 odd secondary codes that you can pick from <laughs> you know how do you remember all of those mm-hmm. uh, and and that that's a challenge in itself because with phase one you got to know the habitats and the codes for those habitats so that in itself can be quite challenging to start with um, there are ways around it of course um, you could take a spreadsheet into the, the spreadsheet into the field with you on on a perhaps on an electronic device or print it out um, UK have do offer um, uh, an app now, which allows you to quickly um, classify and map habitats, which cuts yeah. things down. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have to pay for that. There's a s- subscription fee. Um, you can actually design your own system using um, a, a mapping app, which is something that I've done using a, an app called QField, uh, which works quite well, which allows you to quickly select habitats. So there are ways around that. Um, so that's one of the challenges. Um, another one that I can think of is that um, it's great that you've got um, a range of secondary codes to choose from to add information about a habitat. Um, but the challenge is when you come to actually produce a map, um, if you uh, if you add all the secondary codes as labels on your map, it mm-hmm. becomes very messy and crowded. So you need to think about a way of actually representing that information is part of the map, which is more challenging than a simple, straightforward habitat map, I guess. So that that that's a key a key challenge. Um, and again, there are ways around that, but they're you know it's a little bit clunky, really. Um, so those are some of the the, the issues that I've come across. Um, and I think a little bit more thought needs to go into some of the habitats as well. So, for example. The one I've been struggling with is um, uh, tall herbs. So the the instructions for classifying tall herb vegetation is that you choose uh, a primary code. Now, there isn't a primary habitat, tall herbs. What you have to do is choose, um, say, neutral grassland as your primary habitat. 
and add in a secondary code to say that it's tall herbs. But it's such a common habitat. Mm-hmm. Why not have, uh, you know, the primary habitat as being tall herbs? And it's, it's, it's little things like that, which I think need a little bit more thought, perhaps. Um, and simple things like um, uh, linear features in, in the countryside, like uh, um, hedgerows and, uh, well, no, hedgerows is probably not a good example, but a fence, for example, there isn't a primary habitat or code for a fence. You have to use secondary codes and it, it all gets a little bit messy. So um, there are things like that, that that perhaps need ironing out, but, right. but generally, um, yeah, I think I think it's definitely a step forward. Um, I, I, the other issue for me really is that if you um, if you have a look at some of the same guidance on um, uh, guidelines for ecological appraisal and um, ecological impact assessment, um, the UK have classification systems really only given a passing mention. They still refer mm-hmm. to phase one. Um, and I may be wrong here, but to my knowledge, the country agencies haven't really formally adopted UK HAB yet. So um, I think there's a, you know, there those are barriers to it being adopted more widely. Um, so you've got the the paradox of um, uh, the UK HAB underpinning and. Um, uh, the biodiversity net gain calculations, which are, you know, becoming a, a legal requirement for development, for development, but yet it hasn't been the the UK habitat classification system hasn't been formally adopted by the country agencies, or in fact by SIEM. You look at SIEM mm-hmm. documents, and they they don't really say, you know, this is the the system that you should be using. So, um, I think that needs to happen before it becomes more widely. Uh, accepted and, and adopted um, and also as we said before that people are still clients are still saying please carry out a phase one or an extended phase one habitat survey yes, yes. Um, so you either do that or you turn around and say well actually we prefer to do this which is um, mm. yeah it's it's more up to date and more fit you know it's fit for purpose yeah, I'm sure. I'm so, sure that, I'm those sure, sorts of issues. Yeah, I'm sure there will still be a, a little bit of a, you know, a, you know, clients sort of education. You know, I think that's that's a, that's always going to be an ongoing, uh, uh, yeah, ongoing part of what we do, uh, really. So, well, I mean, it's it's amazing that people actually know about phase one uh, habitat service rather than just saying I need an ecological assessment, you know, or an, it, yes. assessment maybe even grand term as well for some of some 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 uh, some uh, of our clients, should we say? Um, yeah. So, in terms of then. Um, just conscious of our time, uh, Paul. So, in terms of using this habitat classification system, I, I do prefer to use it as you say, UK HAB. It's easy to say. <laughs> so, what can people do maybe today if they've never actually accessed the UK HAB before? Um, so, how can they start to improve their knowledge, understanding, and skills in in this uh, area? Yeah, so um, I think the first thing I would do is go onto the UK Hab Limited uh, website, um, just Google that, um, and you can download all the resources. And it's probably worth reading through the user manual, which is really, um, it's not too long, and it, it gives you a nice overview of the, of the system. Um, and, you know, have a flip through the Habitat Definitions Handbook. That's pretty useful as well. Um, UK Hab Limited and SIEM do offer uh, training courses on 
um, on UK Hab. Yeah. There, there are two, as far as I know, there are two options available. Um, one is uh, a practitioner's course. So this is for experienced surveyors. And it's, it's like a conversion course, I guess. So people that, you know, are very experienced at carrying out um, uh, phase one surveys or NVC surveys. So it's just getting their heads around the classification system. They don't need to be taught about habitats. And there's also, um, so that's a one day course. And I believe there's an introductory course as well for people that are new into the profession and haven't had much experience carrying out surveys. So that's taking them from, um, yeah, uh, fr from scratch really to, so that they can understand the system fully. Um, yeah, and uh, I guess the other the other thing that people need to consider is, um, you know, their, their own botanical knowledge because to carry out a UK HAB survey, or in fact, any kind of habitat survey, a certain level of botanical knowledge is required. So, you know, there are courses available, I believe you offer some, um, Richard, and, um, uh, yeah, there's no substitute for going out and practicing, to be honest. No. Um, you know, a course is all very well and it will point you in the right direction, but you've got to get out there and, and, and give it a go and, and practice and, and, and use a key for yourself. The best way of learning is to actually work things out for yourself using a, using a key. Yeah, great. And, and what I'll do, I will put a link to the UK Hub there, and so people can download the resources from the from the show notes within this podcast themselves. Absolutely right. You know about um, obviously you know the UK Hub courses and signing courses there. Uh, and yeah, botanical skills. You now we, we we can all improve our botanical skills, no matter what level we are. And um, you know, uh, it's it's one of those things that you know we can say. I mean, general populace. I'm sure we can do a little bit better than just identifying a daisy. <laughs> but uh, when it, I think you know, if we're going to work towards that level, you know, that um, those levels three, four within the UK Hab, those botanical skills are going to be crucial. And I think you know, people can sort of. I mean, in one way, if you're entering into our profession, um, it's a, I think it's a great opportunity to skip phase one and go straight onto UK Hab. You know, you can forget about that uh, that, that older system and um, just go straight into learning about this new one. But botanical skills is going to be the fundamental part of any of these classification systems. Yeah, I I totally agree with that, and I think it's um, a skill set that's um, to an extent missing within. Uh, certainly some consultancies you know there has been this uh, through no fault there and there's, there's been this in my view overemphasis on a few protected species as though that was the sum total of British wildlife mm -hmm. um, it, it's not um, so yeah the habitats botany and uh, you know a range of other species that aren't necessarily protected uh, are, are really important so yeah yeah, no, I think we, we covered on this podcast before you know, about, um, well, obviously, you know, about bryophytes, um, but we also, you know, uh, fungi as well, you know, that the all important parts of that. I suppose we, we're talking about this holistic ecology, you know, that the, the whole ecosystem um, in, in their right rather than actually, as you say, individual habitats or individual species. So, so we need to, to, to have a, to take into consideration. Um, yeah, but. Paul, thank you so much for your time. Um, if people wanted to get hold of you and your training um, uh, aspects, um, um, uh, well, I'll put this also in the show notes, but um, what was the name of your company again? 
Um, yes, I'm Salix Ecology. I'm a sole trader, so Salix Ecology is, is just me. But uh, yeah, yes, you're obviously welcome to get in touch anytime. And it's uh, yeah, but it's mainly you're not fully you don't do protect the species yourself. It is it is really a surveying for um, yeah, botanical yeah work really. Yes, yes. My my interest is in uh, uh, yeah botanical work, habitat surveying. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm quite interested in GS, GIS mapping. GIS mapping too, yes. As well, yeah. Yeah, so don't come, to, don't go to Paul for your bat surveys. I think that's no. pro- that's right to say, isn't it? Really? No, please, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, uh, Paul Lossick, thank you so much for joining me on today on the Ecology Academy podcast. That's a pleasure. Thanks very much, Richard. If you enjoy our show and want to help, then please click on the subscribe button and rate us on your favourite podcast player as that's how you can inspire ecologists in the making, help retain great talent and provide insights of our industry to a much wider audience of why ecology really does matter. Thank you.